0: Preparing live stream the meeting. Can I post it
1: in in the kingdom group?
0: Yeah, sure. Post it wherever you want. Yep. All right, everybody. I think we're live here. We're streaming on YouTube because we have terrible problems with the Facebook connections. So the guys are going to drop these links on Facebook so people can catch up with us here. But we're going to do like we did last week and stream on youtube so in attendance i'm here Blanky dave is here titus is weary and worn from the day he's been cursed and broken and beaten but he's still alive and headed home he wasn't even gonna be with us but his day was so bad he wanted to see our faces before he got home yeah anthony's encouraging (laughs) go ahead anthony
2: no i was just agreeing (laughs) yeah oh oh yeah i'm I, am I supposed to say where I am? Oh, sure. I'm a, Why not? Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a broadcasting from one of my mom's Airbnb cabins, actually. Oh, nice. Um, so it's quieter and fewer disturbances than where I was last time.
0: And on the other side of the world, we have with us Rebecca Mui.
1: Hey. I
2: am, am I saying it right?
1: Yeah, no. actually, really good job.
2: Good. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Here, I thought I had it. Say it, Rebecca. Mui. <laughs> Okay, that's sound about the same. Cow on a
0: slide is what did the trick for me, Rebecca. Uh,
1: yeah, oh, cow yeah. on the slide.
2: <laughs> so, Mui.
0: So, so you guys got Facebook. Did you drop some Facebook links? Does so everybody know where we're at?
2: I didn't actually see the live stream yet. It wasn't showing up for me. so uh, I can put, put it in on. The
3: Kingdom Fellowship and Support Group.
2: <laughs> yep, we're going there.
0: We're going everywhere. <laughs> Dank Kingdom taking over the world.
3: Uh,
2: that yeah. Sweet. Okay.
0: Okay. So so we 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 already got started and we had to we had to pause the conversation so we could press play on the stream, um, but we were we were just getting all bothered about house churches and whether or not they matter. Dave blanket Dave does not have a dog in the fight, but he's always gone to a brick and mortar church, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's your default. And, yeah. and we were trying to convince him that he should board up the doors of the church house, sell that building, and give to the poor and meet in his house like all good decent Christians for all days have always done. Is that is that where we're is that was that our was that our position? that's how it sounded to me (laughs) well why don't you why don't you take it away Uh, I think all the rest of us meet no Titus you meet in a brick and mortar too don't you uh yeah not yeah but he feels bad every minute of it not because (laughs) I want to I tried to start a house church a couple years ago and it the numbers
2: dwindled down to about four people and so I decided to hang that up but if I if I could have, if I could do house church, if I had people to do it with locally here, I would definitely do it.
0: That'd be your pick. Mm-hmm. Well, well, give us a rationale, Anthony. Why should we meet in houses? Maybe Rebecca, you can fill that out some too.
2: Uh, let Rebecca go first because I'm still posting links around. Why oh, do you okay. guys? Why do you guys meet in houses, Rebecca?
1: Um, so we started, I think, in thousand and seven. Uh, we joined because. It was like, uh, it, it seemed biblical. So that's what we did. And a pastor started it and we like it. Currently, we just have like eight people and that's fine. You uh-huh. know, it's very it's, it's very participative. We have a meal, we eat together. We, uh, we don't always have the Eucharist <laughs> because we're lazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you know, get bread and you have to like, Make some kind of wine looking thing and, uh-huh. um, so tell
0: me t- give me a little more history since we're since we're talking to you, Rebecca, because this is the first time you and I have been face to face at least digitally face to face what uh what's your background what what's your church experience like, and what's it what are you guys doing now
1: um Okay. Well, I come from like a long, long time Christian family. So church is very normal. Like um, in my immediate family, I don't think I we have anyone who's not Christian, maybe like extended. We're yeah. like a long line of Methodists, mm. like pretty long line. Um, so we came from a Methodist church and then we joined like a house church, but our doctrine was still pretty Methodist. I mean, like we may have you know we still had like it started out being very like pews and everybody is sitting in the pews Mm -hmm. and you have a preacher and then you have you know but then we moved slowly to like the first Corinthians was it 11 or 14 like that model where where everybody comes and then if someone brings Uh a song you bring a song and stuff Uh like that and we had some Plymouth Brethren members join so they're very used to that I mean usually it's just men but you know they have church services where people just stand up and say, okay, let's sing this hymn, or I have a word, and that's their entire church service. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So th- that would be our model kind of now because it just makes sense to follow the service that is in the book of Corinthians. Yeah. Except except not always having the Lord's Supper.
0: So we're hoping we're hoping you can reform that part.
1: I want to actually, but then you know like my mom's just like oh <laughs> <It's> work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's very easy and it's affordable and like to to open a church building would require a lot of permits. Most church buildings here would actually be illegal, like not exactly zoned for churches and stuff like that. So uh-huh. it's actually more legal, I guess, to meet in a house.
0: Well, for for us, you know, the idea of owning a building is ridiculous. Uh, It would be millions and millions of dollars to have something that would fit our our five congregations in one place. Yeah. And the burden that that would place on on the church is I, I can't ever fathom spending that much money for a place that we used. Even if we used it every night of the week, if somebody was meeting there, it's still not a, it's just not a, it's not a feasible idea. The other thing that I would say for, for us, as far as a as rationale is concerned, is that I, I really view the Eucharist as the center of the reason the church gets together, And I think that that meal now I'm not I'm not bent out of shape on houses. I I think I think it's the the eminent biblical model we hear of the churches that meet in people's houses all throughout the New Testament. So it's obviously where we start. But I don't know that that's prescriptive. And in other words, I don't know that's required. So an idea of meeting, you know, in somebody's business building, somebody has a shop and you meet there or somebody has a retail space uh-huh. and, the, and you meet there, all those things fit with me. It's just the idea that's never made sense to me is having a building that was just for church meetings. The cost associated with those things never made sense in the context of an urban, any kind of urban or yeah. near cert city ministry. But then the, the- even if you did, then the, then the impulse is to fill it and I, I don't want to uh-huh. fill it. I don't want yeah. hundreds of people meeting in one place. I want I want twenties of people meeting in a lot of places, so that they can have the Eucharist in a meaningful way together, and then minister to one another with the Scriptures and go on from
2: there.
3: Mm-hmm. I guess what's your yeah yeah it's kind of like saying... a... go ahead.
2: Well, I was just gonna gonna hop on the back of what Matthew said there um, about lots of twenty people um, gatherings um it's it's kind of not not building a big complex or a big a big space that allows you to expand it is kind of like a, a beehive that it fills up fills up its space and then they have to swarm um mm-hmm. if you've ever kept bees that's that's how it works um if you give them a bigger hive they build they get a bigger colony and it, i mean with bees of course 80,000 is okay but for for uh, that, there's a very small. I've I've watched it happen over and over with congregations that build a big new church house, and they've got this all this energy and and spirit, and you know, se- seeming you know a real sense of community, and then they grow and grow and grow in that space, and they have to grow because you know now they have kind of created a a size goal for themselves and after that everybody you know five years later everybody's bemoaning the lack of the loss of community and nobody knows what to do about it and they're talking about splitting but then um you know they're really not growing out of this thing yet and it's it the whole thing it 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 ruins it ruins what church is supposed to be it's it's a form that it's a form that militates against the function i would say um, aside from the fact that it's a waste of resources, it actually, by its nature, um, promotes promotes thinking about the church in a different way um, as, as, a, as a club whose life is centered on its um, once or twice weekly gatherings um, at a certain place rather than as a group of people whose only binding um commonality is that they belong to a family.
3: So um there's a couple different like <laughs> I'm frustrated now cuz I'm cuz I'm it's, it's like uh, it's like there's there's four or five different trails I'd like to follow in what you're saying um questions and um cuz I like a lot of what you're saying and it and it just makes sense. Um, to me, the argument um, just from from everything you've said, to me, the argument that um, that the like the, the form militates against the function. To me, that resonates way more than the resource argument. Um, although the resource argument, especially in an urban setting, makes sense. Why should you go and spend like Matthew said, you know, millions and millions of dollars? But at the same time. Um, one thing that happens in communities where I'm familiar with, especially if you build a building that's more multi-purpose, and I'm not talking about one of these complexes. I'm just talking about a building like, the, well, actually the building that, mm-hmm. that our church meets in, um, they actually bought an old school. And so then one of the rooms is the where they hold services and stuff. And then they have, so, you know, the youth are having something, they have a building to, to use. They have a children's ministry. They have a, a place to bring those kids in and work with them they have um so I can see the value um like just imagine kind of flipping it and you have a bunch of families who are all in the community that say let's pool our money and buy a community building so we all have a building to use and in the process we'll have services there
0: well, but 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 you've already you've already highlighted some of the problems like it's okay. that it's the idea of having a Sunday school and a youth group and a place for people to meet and all that <laughs> stuff that actually I don't want like I, I think those are add ons to fill our buildings I mean that not exclusively there's other reasons for them, obviously, but but those are so if you don't have that then what do you do well then then the young men they go down and they play basketball at the local park where they run into other kids where they talk to people or our whole our whole fellowship will go to the local park to have a picnic together and then we Mm -hmm. rub shoulders with our neighbors and see people and Mm -hmm. if we had an isolated island to do that in we wouldn't ever rub those shoulders or be in the middle of those places
3: i'm i was thinking more like i was thinking more like our church has a has a Community outreach kids club, mm-hmm. so they bring kids in. Sure. Um, or even like you're having you have a wedding or you have yeah. or you have a family get together. A lot of people like when I grew up, a lot of people when they had a family reunion, they used the church because they had a nice building there, facility, sure. et cetera, et cetera. And so that's it's kind of convenient for a lot of people to have a uh, a building like that. And I understand what you're saying. Well. Um, you know with the if you so so i guess let me restate maybe what you're saying so that so that i'm hearing basically what you're saying is so there wouldn't be anything wrong with a bunch of people pooling money to have a building where they can have their family reunions and they're this and this and this and this but what tends to happen is then they gravitate that toward that for all their social activities and then they don't go to the park and then it just ruins everything and once again the form is militating against the function is that what you're saying?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, basically. But I think it's there, there's a little more sophisticated argument to make, and that there's if if all of our cues around what it means to be the people of God together are familial, in other words, brother, mm-hmm. sister, all, all when when that's the when that's the basic underlying premise of our relationships with each other, that works a lot more organically in a home like i i have met in buildings and i've met in small buildings mm-hmm. i've met in church buildings and i've met in homes and you know we had one of our one of our congregations was meeting in a building that we used for an immigrant training center it, they we had an older woman that mm-hmm. was in a wheelchair and there was an elevator in that building and for some a host of other reasons they decided to not meet in a home and meet in rather in this building that we rent as a church for a ministries purposes and you know all those families within within a couple months were like I'm sick of this it's so much it's so much nicer to be in a home where there's couches and places to sit and people feel comfortable and they feel welcome and they want to be there and there's an environment of a home does something different than this uh-huh. shell of a building in, in in as it pertains to fellowship in the life of the church You know, uh, and I don't know that you can't I'm not saying that you that's impossible to recreate. It's just that you don't have to create it when you do it in a home. The other secondary things is that when it's really not again, my my primary concern is how the church structures its meetings more than whether or not what kind of buildings and facilities they use. But they, but what I would say is that if we keep the numbers small, if you orient the church around as many people fit around a table, then there's all these secondary uh-huh. benefits that are just accidental from imitating a pattern that we find in the early church. And, and those accidental benefits are that now in a church, so we have, I don't know how big your church is where you're going to now, David, but we have, let's say, haven't i don't know what the numbers are but say we have 100 120 people coming to our churches in five congregations Mm -hmm. that means every week there's 15 brothers that are sharing something in our congregations there's five men that are preaching there's five men that are sharing there's five men that are leading worship there's five men who are hosting agape and leading a eucharist at their house That's 20 brothers that are active in ministry every single week instead of three. So all of that buildup of ministry uh, and that that having to step out and practice Mm -hmm. and have something to bring to the church, all that stuff that happens in small scales wouldn't be happening so you have this you have this bottleneck in an institutional church with a building where you have you know your set of ministers and that's it that's they speak because you know it's their job what else are they gonna do when are they when are they gonna get a chance to otherwise but we don't we just we don't have any shortage of opportunities to speak in our churches everybody's doing it all the time Mm
1: -hmm. that makes the men
0: the men
2: Yeah. And, and, and like in, in a situation we're in right now, um, the house church in in Arkansas, um, we're at the point where the house where we're meeting, it's got a spacious living room. It's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty decent house for, for common spaces for, for that sort of meeting. Um, But we have enough people showing up that it's crowded sometimes if, if, you know, Somebody comes from a house, you know, a couple comes from a house church across town and we've got a few people have met somebody in town and they show up and, and, and so we've got maybe three or four people that, you know, that are prone to do most of the talking and have thought thought through a lot of things and, and are in a position to bring, you know, to, but, but in a short time, we're going to be overflowing that space and we're going to be forced to analyze, um, who's, you know, how do, how do we divide this up so that, and at that point, oh, j- just that effect that you're talking about is going to take place. And that simply, no matter how much you say you believe in it, that does not happen when you've got a big space and a bunch of people that are comfortable meeting there. Um, and you can grow up to, you know, 15, 20 families, and everybody's just having a great time. And they're like, it, I've heard people say this kind of thing. Well, we all love each other so much. We don't want to leave. Nobody wants to split up. When, so you, you're, you just, you're stuck there with a bunch of bench, bench warmers and a couple of leaders and there's no discipleship going on and there's nothing for people to do. And they fight and you know grumble <laughs> and form factions yeah. anyway. And so the whole thing is, it's, you, you, really, you really kind of have to create, a, it really helps to, to have a form, which is the form we were handed down. Um, that actually kind of forces people into the right modes of social behavior. So think, then, go ahead, Dave.
3: So so then, what um, what I'm hearing again and again is, and I and what and like I said, I find I find it. Um, and if you want to promote house churches, just as somebody who's who kind of comes at it from the skeptical vantage point, because um, it's my default and. Um, let's face it. We've all seen, um, the house church, uh, effect or whatever you want to call it, where the guy, you know, little, uh, guy wants to start his own little cult where he, the three people that agree with him and then they, you know, and that's all it is. Um, and I've seen plenty of that and then, and it never goes anywhere because it's my way or the highway, you know, and, and all that type of thing. And that's, um, that's a I mean that's a real phenomenon and I've seen enough of it that Mm. that 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 I mean even house church from what I've seen tends to attract those kind of people (laughs)
0: well I I would say (laughs) Rebecca's laughing have you seen some of those people Rebecca (laughs) yeah (laughs) well
3: who hasn't
0: they there they abound and i i, I come w- where we're where we came from in in the northwest they're on they're they're in every crook and holler that but, mm-hmm. but i i make a distinction between a church that meets in homes and a house church and it's basically along those lines the house church movement at at, at least as it is where i come from um the frank viola like very, ex- very extemporaneous, uh, no planning. We all just do our thing organically. And the hippie, you know, <laughs> we'll have whatever we have kind of thing. Is a very, it, 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 it's very ingrained in the house church movement in America. Mm-hmm. What, but those house churches will never have bishops. They'll never have deacons. They'll never have order. They'll never have discipline most of them are basically just people that like to fellowship together and they talk about the bible while they're fellowshipping which is a different thing than actually planning and preparing Mm. and making a church with its governance Mm -hmm. its ministries its ordinations its disciplines and rules the to do those things within the context of meeting in homes is a different thing than than the house church movement per se okay now where those lines are you know you can imagine you have to be purposeful about setting all those things up but i think that that what what you find and 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 where your legitimate criticism is is that a lot of those guys that don't want to be you know they want to be king of their castle and but they want somewhere to show up on sunday and have a a a, a an equal seat at the table to say whatever they've been thinking about and then they want to go on their merry way especially Especially like the home church, uh, the home school, home church kind Mm -hmm. of people that really just, you know, there's a lot of head trips about authority and they they just have to be somewhere because they know it's too weird to sit in their living room on Sunday. And that's not healthy. None of those things are healthy. They're not going to create, you know, submission to one another and order and all the things that are necessary for real church life.
3: So that so that's where so that's where the what I feel like and, and we can all agree, um, I think we're all agreeing are legitimate objections to the house church sure. model or whatever, and where why somebody who's used to more of institutional church looks at it and says, boy, yeah, check it out. Yeah. Um, and so to me, as like I said, somebody who's like, like I said, I don't have a dog in a fight. I know my default position and I know the nuttery that I've seen. So there's that. But if I'm listening to somebody that's that's arguing in favor of house churches, what I find a far more compelling argument is the stuff you guys just said, which is it's basically a it's a um, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a it's like a imposed ceiling. Right. So we all agree that small groups are better in small groups. You have better fellowship and people are more more able to open up in a group of, of 20 people than in a group of, you know, 150 people. Um, and and we, we really should get smaller, and we really should blah 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 blah. But we don't because so let's let's meet in ways. I li- I really like to come back to Anthony's thing, the um, form form that that matches function. I really like that and find that a lot more compelling than the uh, than the resource argument
0: well yeah i mean i think the resource uh, the resource argument can be mitigated like if you got you know somebody in the church offers up their back 40 and you got 20 builders in the church that can build a pole barn for you know whatever Mm -hmm. and it doesn't hurt it's not a it's not a financial drain to those group of people i can understand why that that's not much of an argument to make you know the other thing is that Mm -hmm. what i what i what i like to say is that you can you can do the Eucharist well with about as many people as fit in a living room, mm-hmm. and like w- because it's not just about that that ceremony and that sacrament. It's about having the kind of relationships that make that sacrament real and vital and and mm-hmm. efficacious, N- mm-hmm. not just that in the supernatural sense. sense, but in the practical, psychological, social mm-hmm. sense. And so, so then
3: go ahead i'm sorry so then when
0: you have more people than fit at the table or fit in the living room then you have to get a new living room and that's stretching in all kinds of ways and you know real talk here um that's always been my position since we came to boston it's one of the kind of like my my founding ideas and coming here and and we're up against it our demographic has grown in uh, among so many young people especially now with sattler college students coming in that we're having to figure out if we can improvise on the theme. So one of the things that we've talked about doing is keeping our agape small and maybe where we have young men who don't feel capable or competent to do to be responsible for a congregation and for do to do the teaching every week, to cluster them together for public meetings. Because teaching really is the 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 lowest the lowest priority for our for our meetings together on sunday our number one priority is the eucharist and then because we're together we share from the scriptures and we teach and we and we do those things but so what we're talking about doing is keeping our eucharistic meetings small and joining some of the Mm -hmm some of the public meetings in a little bit larger space to to compensate for our demographics i don't i still don't it remains to be seen whether that's going to be a good idea or a bad idea but we also one of the things i really like about here is that we give ourselves the room to experiment with things and say oh that didn't work we got to walk that back or oh that was a great idea let's do more of that
3: Mm -hmm.
1: you guys seem to put a lot of thought into your church structure and stuff like that
0: yeah. Um. Yeah, we do. Um, I think Finney and I came here. We we met each other. I was at the end of a long road. I, I, had, I had started my first church in my 20s. And then uh, I wanted intentional community and spent about 10 years traveling all over the country in different small little eclectic groups. And so by the time I was kind of I was well worn by the time I showed up in Boston, and I had seen a lot of, I had had a lot of varied experiences, and 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 I knew some things that that I wanted. And Finn similarly had had an idea, and I think it was those mutual ideas that we shared in common that really caused us to be very hopeful about a, a potential of doing something here. And then we started very small, and I think, yeah, there's some, I I I would, I would make a fairly short list of some important reasons why we had room to develop a a real conscientious way of thinking about how we were meeting and why um some of it was was good choices some of it was bad things that happened and we had to navigate how to make sure that that didn't happen again but yeah i i I've, i've thought i've been thinking about how to meet as a church and what it means to be the people of god for a lot of years and And we, and I got to start fresh. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. part of all of it is that I got to start from a zero. Like mm-hmm. I got to Finn and I were able with with one other brother in the very beginning to just start from a perfectly clean slate. And there wasn't we weren't importing anything. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like I had grown up here in this house church movement. We got to build the suit, so that
1: mm-hmm.
0: that makes a big difference too. So every house uh, church
2: broke its dream.
3: Yeah. you said the house
0: church starting why?
2: from scratch i said every house church bros dream starting yeah. from scratch with your own vision
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: that so, should be um, like should be what no I, I, it's it's like conservative bro you know house church
3: <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so then larger communities so one one of the issues that that i have the, um, that, that I, that's a kind of a sticking point to me with the, with the house church model too, is so, yeah, you know well, let's just say, you know, 20 people, amount of people can fit in the living room and that's actually pushing it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of packing the living room.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: So, but let's just use that as an easy number. So, you know, you have 20 people meet in the living room. Well, you don't really have then a broad base. That's 20 people. And if you're counting kids and stuff, that's like three families. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with having three people that you're really close to. And these are the ones that you really connect with. But to have that as your entire community is problematic to me.
0: Hmm. But but it's not because we have five congregations here. My entire community is is 150 people plus their children so i have a very broad community and we have city we do have citywide meetings it's kind of like modeled after the idea of solomon's colonnade like we have times where the whole church will get together in one place and we we do it you know as often as is feasible um and it's an important time to mingle and to connect and i i have because i personally have lived in several of of our communities and 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 know people who have come in and administered to people and worked with people and been friends with people all over across different congregations. I have a very broad network of community. So my very close brothers are the ones that I have the Eucharist with every week. But it's a that that is a that's a cog in a larger community. Of Christian concern and brotherhood, where there's a lot more happening, but you have to be able to ha- you have to be able to make a hierarchy of your relationships. Like you have to be able to have those close intimates, and then a little broader base. It's the three twelve seventy is the kind of the way I think of it.
3: The, well, I the, how do you think of it again? I'm sorry, I didn't hear
0: three twelve seventy. Okay the three innermost with jesus oh i got 12 you. Yeah. disciples mm-hmm. and the 70
1: hundred and twenty. Yeah.
0: and then 120 on top of that yeah but there are these nested like concentric circles of relation
3: right so and, and that makes and that makes that makes a lot of sense to me and so basically you're saying that building that you start you start with your three yeah. and then out of that you grow to your you grow to your 12 but then out of that you grow to your seventy. Yep. And, and and those those intimate relationships are the ones that are built first. Um, uh-huh. and that 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 makes sense. And then once you get to the point, so how much mingling do you have between groups? Do you have people from one group ever visit or worship with the other? Do you have Eucharist at the citywide meetings, like a mass Eucharist or haha, ha, you see what did there? <laughs> or um, you know
0: We 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 did that once um, when when we had an ordination for me and Finn and Charlton. We had all the churches together in one place. Uh, Did we? We didn't have. Oh yeah, we did. We even had Charlton from Africa because he was ordained as well. So we had we had you know one two three four churches represented, um, and we all had the Eucharist together at that. At that meeting, but it was a very, you know, unique circumstance. Okay. And do uh, they
1: have? Oh, sorry.
0: Go ahead, Rebecca. What were we going to ask?
1: Do they have the Eucharist at Kingdom Fellowship Weekend?
2: No. Huh. No, they don't. That would be shocking.
1: <laughs> really? Because it would be pretty like powerful because you have people from different churches.
2: You yeah. Know,
1: partaking as one body sends a.
0: But those churches would, a lot of them would have a closed communion theology.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like the mm-hmm. Menos? It's only yeah. once a year and no right. more. But they're coming together and
3: fellowshipping. So, how does that work? I'm, well, that doesn't make
2: sense. So, so.
3: <laughs> nice. So, so-so. um, so that that makes sense because that's it. That's the other thing. What I hear so much about is, well, yeah, we're here, and there's four of us, and we're meeting, and that's it. Yeah. And it feels like, if and the thing is, then you don't have the ability. Um, take like like take for instance, you have a, a some type of need. Somebody's got, and this is coming from my Anabaptist background, you know, where somebody has a medical bill you know, and the community helps take care of it. And you simply don't have that with four people.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why these, this, the model that I advocate, and I I think it's, I think it's based on patristic models, is that you have one church in a given urban area. And that one church has, has a group of bishops and a group of deacons under them that, that are connecting and, and, A network of house churches all as one church Mm -hmm. so we have five congregations in boston but that's one church
3: okay
0: so the one church is meeting in five places every sunday in boston and so that that network of churches constitutes one body
3: right that makes sense
0: So the resource allocation and the ability to share and meet needs and pray for one another and, you know, do all the things that the church body is supposed to do minister to the poor and care for care for those within and those without is all something that happens on a much bigger scale than the small meeting that I have in my house on Sunday for the Eucharist.
3: Okay, So then how realistically do you move? Because, because that's the other thing as somebody who's a, who goes to, you know, uh, a, a building church, if you will, and has, um, I mean, you know, you call them house churches. I can call this one a building church.
2: Clubhouse. Uh, pardon me? <laughs> Clubhouse.
3: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Clubhouse church. I like that. So, um, but you go and you tell somebody, Hey, you know, you need to stop meeting a church. You need to, you know, break any small groups. Um, that's really there has to be some means of maintaining that overarching community. Otherwise I see a whole lot lost and yeah, you're, I see, I see the gains, but I also see the, like, that's one of the benefits of a, of, of the church. You know, one of the things that a larger church can provide that the small, you know, handful of people can't.
0: Yeah. I think the ministries are what's designed to connect those dots. And we have citywide brothers meetings, we have citywide teaching meetings, there are are times when the whole church is together. Mm
1: -hmm. I think uh,
0: the Jerusalem Council would be another example of getting the whole church. So there's no way you had 3,000 saints or 5,000, however many it was, within a few years after the resurrection. um, You didn't have 5,000 Christians showing up on the Temple Mount every Sunday. Those, right. They were obviously all interspersed throughout Jerusalem, meeting mm-hmm. in small gatherings mm-hmm. all across the city, and they needed some kind of connect-the-dot ministries, and that's what the bishops and the deacons were for, and those people had, you know, their thriving little congregation life where they were having the Eucharist and doing the work of Jesus in their neighborhoods, and then there were people who were overseeing them and making sure that everything was on track and that needs were being met and all this stuff was going on, so.
3: Okay.
2: Mm. Should we and, and, the, um, and the amount of exposure uh, go ahead? No,
0: go ahead. What were you gonna say?
2: I was just gonna say on, on that, like the amount of exposure, say you had 130 person um, household meetings in a you know, if you had 3,000 say in a, in a city, um, the amount of exposure to your neighbors the, that all of those little gatherings have is just dramatically higher.
0: Yeah. Then yeah
2: people coming together in one spot
0: well and especially if you're clustered in in like residential communities mm-hmm. so if you have right. if you have three right. or four households joining together and you become these little enclaves of christianity all throughout jerusalem mm-hmm. that's a really dynamic mm-hmm. thing
3: mhm one thing and and i've heard you know it's kind of a your mileage may vary thing because i've heard two i've heard both angles on this but it seems like it's easier to invite somebody to come to your house, and people are more likely accept a personal invitation to come to your house than to come to church. Although I've heard in some places that's that's considered kind of suspicious. It's like, so what are you guys doing? Do you got some kind of weird cult going on there or what? Because legit, you know, legit uh, churches meet in buildings, not in somebody's mm-hmm. house and stuff is that your experience
1: rebecca
0: yeah how do you guys deal with that rebecca
1: um i I still find it hard to explain to people they ask where you go and i'm like they're gonna think i'm a cult (laughs) 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 so i'm like "Mm, uh," you know it depends uh but there's like a real community that you can have when you have people coming into your homes that's Mm -hmm. more than just the church service there's like that fellowship you have where you share more than just a once a week thing that I think is, is a huge thing. And I know people complain that uh, sometimes like people from the outside, they join a midnight church or maybe they don't fit into the, like, the cliques and stuff like that. A lot of people are, like, mm-hmm. they kind of complain online because they never get invited to meals. They don't, they just go to church and they go home and they feel like they're not part of the community. Mm-hmm. Unless they're born into it mm-hmm. and they have like a hundred cousins or something, you know, like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I'm not dissing Mennonites. So I'm just saying that that's something right. that comes up a lot. Oh yeah, it...
2: Right. You should have at least a hundred. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that the
0: thing that it opens up a whole nother can of worms David, but w- the way that I, it's, it's another, I think accidental um, curative, uh, of emulation of this model is that the assembly on Sunday is not designed for visitors. In other words, uh, I came from a very evangelical background where inviting people to church was the thing that you did. But the main reason for that was because we had a professional person called the preacher who he was the one that was supposed to disseminate, you know, he was the one that was supposed to get you saved or talk you through or pray with you or whatever the deal was. And, and that's how you brought people into the kingdom of God is they came to church, they met with the preacher, they knelt at an altar, or they said the mm-hmm. sinner's prayer or whatever they did. Then they became part of the church and they were baptized by said preacher. And then they started giving ties to the church, coming to the church, blah, blah, blah. And I know that model's a little bit different in Anabaptist circles, but that's the typical yeah, evangelical similar, model. Yeah.
3: And so I,
0: I first came into the, I first came into my church life as a, as a born again adult with this idea, asking everybody to church. And I remember clearly I, I had, we used to do this all the time. And, and it was a big thing with us. We were always inviting people to church and we had a custom where we would kneel to pray sometimes. And I was up front and I, I was like, I saw all the people that I had invited. It was like, you know, crackheads and prostitutes and people that like not used to being in church houses and I was like well we should kneel to pray and then I thought that's going to be so weird to them they don't know what that means or why we would do that and I didn't do it and I thought I don't like making decisions for what the church is going to do based on visitors being there and it caused me to rethink my whole kind of like paradigm around inviting Mm -hmm. people to church and I'm not saying that, that people, there should never be visitors in the assembly. What I'm saying is that the, the language in Corinthians is if an unlearned person comes in among you, it's not a de facto premise that you're going to have visitors there all the time. What we do is, the way I look at it now is that the assembly of the saints is designed primarily as a family get together. It's for those people who are in the faith together. Now, when I eat my supper at my table with my family i'm i have I invite people there from time to time for whatever reason, because I want to learn from them or they want to learn from us or we want to develop a relationship or all kinds of reasons I'll invite people to my table, but I don't ever set my supper table because someone else is coming. I invite someone over because we're setting the table and because we're going right. to be a family together that around sense. that table mm-hmm. and so. So what we think of now is that we, no one would ever come to one of our public meetings that hadn't already had some kind of experience with one of our people. So evangelism mm-hmm. as a work is something that's done in the individual people's lives. When you meet people, you invite them to coffee, you talk with them, you have them at your supper table, you start teaching them about the faith and the gospel. And when they're interested in that, then we invite them to the assembly to see how it is when all the church is together. Uh-huh. And that's, a, that's kind of a little bit of a different paradigm.
3: Yeah, that and that makes and that makes that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I'm gonna have to run. Um, my wife just told me that um, that um, the doctor had given her instructions, and um, it looks like we're gonna need to take him in. So okay, um, well, whoever's yeah. out
0: there can okay. pray for Pascal.
3: Yeah, I'd appreciate that. So um, all right, well, Lord bless you guys. Thank you so much. Give me a lot to think about. I might have a lot more questions. We do this again next week, but um, yeah, it's it's a different it's a different. Um, it's not the stereotypical house church four guys, right. um, you know, uh, all, I mean, the, the crazy thing is this, you know, then you hear about house churches splitting. Like how right. does that even work? <laughs> right. um, that's what I want, you know,
2: <laughs> it means me and that other guy don't like each other anymore. Right. Exactly. You know,
0: I'll all right. Well, take care it. of yourself, David. Thanks for being all with right. us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll this is a good segue. I'd like to. I'd like if we could s- switch subjects here a little bit, uh-huh. and we'll talk about the Dank Kingdom news. What's been happening in the Dank Kingdom profiles lately? There's some <coughs> some big events that have happened this week. Um, we had just by way of review, Rebecca wrote an article about uh, a couple articles. You wrote one on 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 atonement. So we had a bunch of atonement wars this meme wars this week. We had the Jordan Peterson meme wars this week. Um, Rebecca wrote those articles. And then we were profiled by the illustrious Jim of Don't Perish, which I'm sure he's watching. So, hello, Jim. Welcome. Hi, Jim. Thank Kingdom Podcast. It's glad glad to have you. Uh, So, all those are our news and events. Let's break those things down real quick and see where we got to. Atonement wars. Tell us, tell us what how, what that whole experience was like for you, uh, Rebecca.
1: Well, um, I was just honestly bored, <laughs> and so and I saw like this glass thing, you know, like you you pour it in this glass instead of that glass on the Christian uh, Christian Facebook group, and I was like, you guys are gonna love that. So. <laughs> uh, but I I've been thinking about it, but I haven't. So, like, starting the war kind of made me think about it a bit more, I think.
0: The beauty uh, of made memes. me. Do some
1: research. Yeah, I think it's really profitable. Mm.
0: That's good. Uh,
1: it's, it's great what came out. I think, I don't think there were any like attacks or, uh, you know, like unhealthy stuff, like with the tuna and stuff.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting, uh, just, to, just to recommend m- meme discourse again, <laughs> as if we haven't done it enough, but I was interested, yeah, some, somebody sent me a link. Um, it might've been my son-in-law, I don't remember, but somebody sent me a link. Uh, they, had, they had keyed the proteins in the, 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 the corona part of, of the coronavirus to notes, to musical notes and they played them in sequence and apparently this is something that virologists do from time to time they play the they they assign those proteins Uh a note and then they play the song of that virus and it allows them to hear connections in ways that you can't readily see if you're looking at a chain of letters and so Uh you you Uh can play it and hear where things sync up between similarities and this is actually something that people do from time to time, is they'll, they'll they'll do this different way of looking at something in order to, in this case, hear something that you couldn't see with your eyes. And I think that there's something about mm-hmm. these kinds of like big issues when you can put them in a graphic format and and connect them to some ideas, it reveals things that you maybe wouldn't find in in just an average discourse. Mm-hmm.
1: People complain that there's no nuance, but I would say that the nuance is you have to fill it in yourself. The meme mm. is not meant to have all these like caveats and stuff. I think it has to be understood and you have to, to read it and you have to know what the intent and the context is. And that is something that I guess not everybody appreciates about having to do that. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's great.
2: Well, yeah. And, and another thing memes do is that they... they uh they kind of like blow a hole in the wall of our silo. Um, you know, it, 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 when, when you get your brain knocked out of a rut by a single kind of impactful insight, even if it's not nuanced at all, that forces you to think about, yeah, like, like Rebecca said, what are the nuances that are attached to that? And, and is that insight true fundamentally or is it not? And if not, what analogy would, would demonstrate, you know, a better approach to this idea.
0: Right. And I, I think it, I'm hopeful that, it, it, especially in the context of a kind of o- online community for whatever it's worth, that there's enough room to to be able to, that it'll maybe short circuit the, 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 the critique process that, you know, I can hear, I can assimilate... Like there might be a lot of people on DKCM that maybe if we sit down and had a long talk, we'd we'd talk more about the things we disagreed about than the things we agreed, because that's what people do a lot of times. But it allows somebody that that maybe I wouldn't get that close to to critique my ideas and mm-hmm. hear from a critic in a way that 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 I don't have access to because I fill my life with people that I'm close to and I agree with mm-hmm. and I have association with or whatever the case may be. But now here there's an there's an opportunity where my ideas can be critiqued by someone who doesn't fit any of those car- any of those categories. And if it's funny, then I can laugh while I'm
2: being riddled.
1: There's I think But well, that, you... that's the funny
2: thing because that's like go ahead, Rebecca.
1: Oh no, I'm just saying that people are gonna accuse us of promoting ecumenic Ecumenicism. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it, in a good way, I would say, but people could be like, ah, it's demonic.
0: <laughs> well, it's good, to, it's good to hear from people. I, I, I you know, I, mm-hmm. my biases are all on the table. I, I do a regular podcast with an atheist. So, you know, okay. I have all kinds of predispositions to wanting to hear from people that don't agree with me, but I know that not everybody shares that
2: predilection.
1: What was Jag going to say?
2: Um, yeah, I, for, I forget. I think I was going to say <laughs> that. Oh yeah, I, I remember um, what Matthew said about, about being able to you know, go back and forth and bounce your ideas off people who aren't part of your everyday community. That is actually a downside of online communication and that's what's fascinating about the DKCM community. Is because um, normally in communities like that, the fact that we don't know each other, the fact that we don't have sufficient, um, you know, context to understand what what another person means by what they say, tends to create judgment and and uh, you know and rancor between people, because because you don't have that face to, all those face to face cues and that sense of you know avoiding offense and things that we do when we're face to face, but there's something about the format of this group that uh, the communication format that automatically seems to short circuit that and turn it into kind of a, it allows, allows you to, it's kind of like the promise of the internet always was that it never really fulfilled was that it was going to allow us to broaden our minds by communicating with anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently there are kinds of, there are modes of communication that are well suited to the internet and modes that are not. Um, And if you can discover those, the ones that are you can actually have some fruitful discussions that that bring people closer together
0: (laughs) yeah so uh i what were you gonna what did you do with the article that you wrote about dkcm rebecca did you post that anywhere
1: um no um but i sent it to a few folks that Uh. i thought would enjoy it
0: we posted it on the page, for... didn't we? Didn't we? It got posted. No, on DKCM. It,
1: it 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 wasn't.
0: It did posted on DKCM. Oh. Well, Let's we need just to put leave it, up. it at there. <laughs> oh, you don't want it up?
1: No, no. As in, we don't want to say where it was posted. Oh, do we? oh okay. I
0: gotcha. <laughs> right, right.
1: You will be <laughs> in trouble. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll have to get we'll have to get that up there so everybody can read it. It was a yeah. kind of a historical analysis of where the DKCM movement came from. Yeah, it was good. I can
1: post it if you like. I just you didn't should. think it was a meme or stuff.
2: Yeah, no, no, it's definitely suited.
1: What do you think about like because we do blast like uh, Calvinists, we blast conservative bros, we uh-huh. blast like so. There's a lot of playful blasting going on but do you think it creates like a hostile environment where people who may have who lean towards those views may feel a little bit like or maybe they don't subscribe to ransom or something like that they're still psa do they feel attacked or something um uh,
0: may, maybe i think that we had some we had some back and forth on one thread um <laughs> this week that somebody felt that way and we were discussing yeah, somebody was asking. We had a lot of long threads this week. We were very i I was very paragraphy this week. You and were. Today Matthew. was no exception. Um, it was not. But there was a there was a there was a conversation specifically about that issue that happened. Um, somebody was asking. I don't know how to take this. Am I am I being ribbed in 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 good humor or am I being picked on? And I I think one of the things that came out of that conversation is that. I don't think anyone's saying that this is the right place for everybody. I think that, you know, the way that the intro questions to DKCM are the, the number one question is, can you take this all lightly? Can you, can you have enough of a, you know, can you approach this from a perspective of not taking yourself too seriously? Uh And if, 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 and I, I don't, I don't mean it as a critique, I think a lot of people are used to talking about these subjects in a very serious way because, Uh you know, it's like eternity right like it's people are going Uh to hell people are going to heaven, this is the important stuff It's Uh about Jesus and who he is and what he did on the cross and blah 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 all this stuff. Uh And we're used to having very serious conversations about that, and so you throw somebody who's only ever had serious conversations about this in the middle of a meme group where we make fun of each other's ideas and and bat stuff around, and and people, not everybody's can switch gears like that, and so I don't I don't mm-hmm. recommend it for people that can't do switch that gear, that can't take it lightly like that, and can't take themselves lightly enough to be able to have <laughs> fun at their own expense. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, it's phenomenal. If you if that's not a style of communication that you would tolerate, well, it's not a, it's it probably would be a hurt, a painful place to hang out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would I would say that this is actually a really important distinction to make that that the whole I think the the culture in a group like this um, actually hinges on this distinction, the distinction between the gravity of the subjects we're discussing which which are grave they're very serious they're their life and death matters um, and and the or the, the, let's say the weight of the of the subjects under discussion the weight of the ideas and the weight of the people discussing them in other words a, a healthy view of ourselves a humble mm-hmm. view of ourselves means we don't place a tremendous amount of weight on my personal understanding in the moment of of a truth like we should be a hundred percent convinced of whatever we whatever we believe but we need to be humble about the fact that we could be wrong and so there's there's a big difference between eternal truth and the quality of my capacity to grasp it Mm. Um, my capacity to understand eternal truths is really small and there's actually an inherent absurdity to the idea of humans with the brains we have with the foibles we have, with all of the, with all of the flaws, cognitive flaws we're working with um, trying to even comprehend and discuss subjects like eternity and, and, and God and, and redemption and atonement like that's absurd that we are, are even allowed to be in this conversation at all, any of us. And so the laughter, I, I think, that's that's what we're that's what we're uncovering here is is the idea that we if we're really it's kind of like the psalmist says what is man that you're even mindful of him like we're saying who are we let's actually take ourselves as unseriously as god takes us um and and, and 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 just realize that we're all children here trying to figure something out that's too big for us and when you do that all of a sudden you, yeah, you separate God himself and his truth from whatever I think about God and his truth at the moment. And and that is where you get, and that that's the gulf that divides the sort of people who, uh, th- these are not the only two categories of people. I don't want to make, make a, I don't want anybody to take that from what I'm saying, but the gulf between people who hang out on a place like DKCM and people who, you know, can't stay in a house church with two people for more than a few weeks at a time or months is because those people do not see any light between God's eternal truth and their conception of it they're the same thing to them and that's
0: my that's my definition of a fundamentalist by the way yeah
2: Yeah, that that's an interesting it's interesting uh definition i would have to play with that and think about it for a while
0: Someone that can't, someone that can't, that they, they, they are ultimately convinced that their understanding of truth is God's understanding of truth. Mm -hmm. Like there's no room in discrepancy between the way I'm understanding truth and what the actual truth is. So Mm -hmm. everything that I believe is 100% true. Uh, Like And Mm -hmm. so that I tie this association between me and my fundamental beliefs and fundamental truth. So Mm -hmm. all three of those things are synonymous. God's truth, fundamental truth, saving truth, Jesus's truth, Bible truth, and me are all in the same basket.
2: Mm -hmm. And so when someone threatens anything, any point of my beliefs, they are not only threatening my beliefs, but they are threatening my identity and they are threat and they are disrespecting God.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of cognitive biases, we might as well, we, we might as well address the don't perish article. Um, a, a little background. I, I um, two years ago, um, Jim from don't perish anonymously reached out to me. I don't know if he gave his name or not, but he just said, Hey, I saw followers away and basically just acted like an interested person. And I'd love to talk to you. I spent a lot of time going back and forth of them I actually considered putting out our email thread. Cause it's hmm. quite a wild ride. The email thread between me and Jim two years ago. Um, and he's one of these guys Um. He's one of these guys that 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 thinks that whatever he thinks is God's truth, and and he's the antithesis, I think, in at least in in my interactions with him, of um, what we're doing here at DKCM. A guy that that has to has to be right, has to take everything, in, especially himself, incredibly seriously. And there's no room for for discourse there's no room for conversation there's no room for compromise there's no room for anything and uh so he's been reaching out i think titus was the first on his list right and he reached Uh out to titus he was more forthright what's that
1: i think it was dave with the comic
0: Uh, i think titus was he actually had reached out to titus before because titus wow titus asked me about him before he was drawing cartoons of dave and um and so he reached out to Tyus a little more genuinely. He he told him that who he was and that he had trouble with me and he was gonna get tested. Uh one wonders who who on whose authority he's testing everybody. But nonetheless, so then Dave he hit up Dave and, and Anthony. When everything went to print, Anthony's only guilt was association. <laughs> which
2: uh that's That's a that's a halo for me
0: (laughs) so i don't i don't know i you know i thought a lot about this situation i i wrote to jim uh what I, i i i know he's watching here so i'll just i'll just put all my cards on the table i i think jim's gig is that he he has a martyr's complex. Like he likes people telling him to go away. And so when I realized what he was up to, that there was no way to win his test, that he he was going to ask the questions and set the rules and determine the answers. And it, there was no way out of that conclusion. Like it's like uh it's like the DKCM test that we made the heretics test like there's a flow chart and you're only going to end up with one conclusion if you're not jim you're a heretic and and once i realized that was the gig i was like okay well this is a psychological malady it's something that a lot of people do and and it's just very obvious in this case and so since his whole gig is the martyrs complex that he just says inflammatory things and calls people horrible names and then says, I love you. um, And I get to define what that means. That's his whole gig. So how do I, uh, how do I, um, how do I break that circuit? And so I said, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go away. I'm not gonna tell him to go away. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight with him. I'm just gonna talk to him and I'll keep, I'll keep talking to him for however long I can. So he, he, he ripped me off, wrote me off and told me I was a heretic and horrible and evil and whatever else. And, and I just kept writing to him. Uh, I was sharing my testimony with him. I just sent him an email and asked how he was doing and whatever else. I don't remember as long time ago, but I just kept writing to him until he said, quit, quit emailing me. I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to read anything from you. Leave me alone. And I was like, well, I'm going to call that a win because at least it didn't go the way it was supposed to. And then two years later, then he catches up with Titus and, and, and Dave and Anthony. And, uh, I, I don't know how to, Oh, we lost, we lost Anthony. I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to get somebody off of that circle. Um, it's hard to, uh, We lost you, Anthony. You still there? Oh, there he is. You still with us, Anthony? Have you read Chesterton, Rebecca? Are you a Chesterton fan?
1: I browsed a little bit because Elijah recommended it, Uh but I don't really have time. (laughs)
0: There's a, there's a fantastic um, introduction to orthodoxy where Chesterton talks about an insane man. And he says that people think that, that those who are insane are, are irrational. And he said, it's, a, it's exactly the opposite. It's that the, the crazy man can only be rational. And, and all of his reasons run in a circle. And he actually, he actually proposes the circle as the, the symbol of insanity. And that you can never get out of the circle. Everything is a confirmation. So, if you, he says, if a man thinks himself the king of England and all men are conspirators against him, anything that you would say to him to try to get him to not believe that just confirms his theory that he is the king of england Mm -hmm. and you are all conspirators and it's Mm -hmm. a hard thing to break and i i don't know i i think our friend jim is on one of those circles and maybe you just have to break it yourself or god has to break it or i don't know what do you think anthony
2: Uh, i missed some of what you said um there was a a bolt of lightning completely out of the blue and wow it came through my computer cord and um, actually gave me a zap of electricity in my earbuds.
0: <gasps> no way! <So laughs> I,
2: I felt a little spark in my ear, so I'm I'm fine. <laughs> uh, it is but from it took Jim. A little, my Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was about to say something that I shouldn't have, I guess. But my Wi-Fi went down temporarily, and so I missed about a minute or or a minute and a half of what Matt was Well, how was about saying, that? But I caught the tail end. Um, <laughs> yeah Some, we we get we get thunderstorms here that here in the woods that every now and then it blows everything out um and you, you know this glad, is going to be a dumb parish
0: article now up. god zaps i i anthony
2: it would <laughs> what I, I feel like i feel like it would be dank yeah <laughs> uh, a, a dank subject for an article um but but yeah, I, so I didn't catch everything, but I think I got I got the drift of where you were going and I saw where you had arrived when I got back. So yeah, um, pretty much there's there are there are, there are patterns of thinking that, that really are, which I actually wrote this to Jim today, um, essentially that it's possible to get to build a prison and lock yourself into it um, where, where there's no way for any information to get to you from outside um, that would be useful to you. Where there's no way, where there's no n- no way that you would ever know if you were off the off the track, if you were astray, right. um, hmm. because all of the sources of information that you have um, are are invalidated before you start.
0: Right. It's a scary place. I think that's a, that, that scares me more than anything. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, the one thing that scares me more than anything else is deception. Cause when, cause when you're mm-hmm. deceived, you believe a lie like it was the truth and there's no mm-hmm. way off of that train. If you haven't built things into your life as a check and a balance yeah. on your own opinions, it, it, it's yeah. not a, that's a horrible, horrible place to live.
1: It, it's exactly yeah. like yeah. what you just. Dis- Sorry.
0: <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Rebecca.
1: now it sounds like the Corona conspiracy, bros.
0: Yeah. That,
1: that, what you described exactly.
0: Yeah, it's the same. It's the same mania. It's the same thing. It's 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 all of the, it's all of the worst traits of of the human psyche conspiring against you, like you get an idea and that idea is rooted in something aside from fact it's rooted in identity or feeling or something else um and and there's no way there's no way to change it anything that would disrupt the idea just becomes more fodder for more fuel more gas in the engine that's pushing you along
2: so i need to sign off um here and get back to my house but um Maybe we could just talk for a second um, about what what you do to prevent that from happening to you because like what are the what are the ways of thinking about oneself that that keeps you from you know becoming so like like proverbs talks about this do you see a man who's wise in his own opinion there's more hope of a fool than for him Mm -hmm. and i don't think that means a person who thinks they're right like i've seen that hurled at all at at anybody who thinks they're right when i think they're wrong like that's not what it means we're supposed to believe in things we believe are true but there's a certain there's a certain kind of person that is worse off than a fool and a fool is really bad off a fool is somebody who doesn't care about truth, gets angry. If you confront him with truth, you know, they a fool wants to do his own thing and, and doesn't want to know anything that he doesn't already know. And, but there's a, per, a type of person who's wise in my, in my, where I can be wise in my own opinion in a way that is worse than that, because it's like an unbreakable shell around myself. How do I, what, Precautions do we take in our thinking that keeps us from going there?
0: Well, I would start. You know, there's a whole list of things. It's what the proverbs, it's what the wisdom literature is about. The antithesis of that. Yeah. But but in short, in practical ways, um, there's. I think I think understanding understanding bias, like trying to be introspective about the things that are tempting for me to have biases about that's that's like a self knowledge i think when people are have some mm-hmm. kind of awareness of themselves that's a little bit objective uh, as objective as you can make it mm-hmm. be that's one place where mm-hmm. you can start to see where you would be tempted to go down certain routes and you can stop yourself the other thing is is a- mm-hmm. allowing somebody in your life my, my premise about community is, you know, some of the great men that I've loved in my life, brothers that, that I respected, admired, and looked up to, when I've gotten close to them, almost all of them had some fatal flaw, some real problem in their character. And, and everyone that was close to them knew it was there, and it was the one thing that you couldn't talk to them about. And I I observed this pattern in my in my youth. Um, and I I think about it all the time because if those men that I respected had that had those kinds of issues, I know that I do too. And so I've I've set it as a a, a quest in my own life to put people around me that I love enough to tell me about the nose on my face, to tell me about the thing that I can't see about mm-hmm, myself, but mm-hmm. I want to see and I need to. And you have to cultivate relationships with people. And it means mm-hmm. you know, having hard conversations, it means risking offense yeah. and being offended and giving place and being vulnerable and all these things that we don't do well, especially when there's problems. And pushing past that and choosing to put people in my life that I can love and respect so that when they come to me to tell me something's wrong, they have the place to say it. And so that kind of community, I think is a huge part. And then there's all Mm -hmm. kinds of external versions of that, you know, like Mm -hmm. reading old books. So you get a different Mm -hmm. perspective of time and life in the world, reading, putting, trying Mm -hmm. to assimilate input from other parts of the world and other cultures trying to, um listen to people outside of your set of 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 ideas and mm-hmm. circumstances so that you can get an honest critique like all these things are parts of how we do that what do you have a short list both of you of ways to circumvent that process the fools problem memes what is it <laughs> memes <laughs> memes <laughs> i'll the, take uh, it
2: uh, <laughs> yep yep I, for me, for me, I think like the most fundamental thing you mentioned in a couple of different ways, Matthew, but it, it, the, getting outside your own head and trying to look at yourself from someone else's perspective, Right. like that's something we can do, but we're bad at it. And right. it, you do get better at it with practice. And, and so and 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 viewing criticism as an opportunity to do that, which is really hard, but. But when, we rec- when I receive criticism, like particularly the criticism I don't expect, mm. because, because that's, you know, the things I see the least about myself are going to be the things that really come out of left field when somebody says them about me. Um, those things that I think like I've, maybe I knew I had a problem, but I thought I fixed it or whatever. We really don't like to be criticized about those things. And when you see criticism as an opportunity, um, it's, it's an opportunity to step outside yourself and go into that the head of that person who's bringing the critique and say, okay, how did this incident or this pattern in my life look from that person's perspective? How would I feel if I were them? Um, do I look dumb? Do I look self-absorbed? Do I look insensitive um, when, when I behave this way? And doing that is... Yeah, that like that is how you that, that's the door out of the prison, I think that there's all, all sorts of ways of achieving that and ways of building community so you get more opportunities to do that. But fundamentally, I think that's what it is, is getting outside your own head, um, right, and, and, and sliding into someone else's skin so that you can um, see yourself from from a different perspective. Yeah, I, I, I think that's... you have anything besides memes, Rebecca? Yeah.
1: Oh, no, I was just thinking there was a chart in this old book called The Theology of Anabaptism, and it does boil down to like your belief about how the grace of God is, is dispensed. So like the traditional high church or the Catholic would view would be the grace is dispensed through the sacraments. And, but the Protestant view is everything is just me and God and everything right. is just that one, that uni, like one stream. Mm-hmm. Whereas they said the Anabaptist view was that God's grace is, comes to the church as a body and not just like, it's not just right. one, one. Which I guess mm-hmm. is very obvious to you guys already. <laughs> just yeah, it's an
0: that. important principle though. That's, that's how God speaks mm-hmm. many times is through the assembly of the, of the believers, the people that are in your life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's one other thing too. There's another good like early warning system. Things that get you upset or, 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 or hurt you or rile you up mm-hmm. are places that need attention. So like Jim can write yeah. these things about us all day and it's just humorous. It's just meme fodder. But my wife, <laughs> when she criticizes me or when one of my brothers, there's always mm-hmm. this impulse mm-hmm. to rise up and to say, To defend myself to say what about and why and all that happens on a natural instinctual level and and when we're wise we recognize that that's a real place of concern and i know i know that experience most Mm -hmm. with my wife because she's my she knows me better than anybody and so when she says something Mm -hmm. that's wrong with me that really hurts and it causes me to want to defend and 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 to react and learning those Mm -hmm. warning signs about yourself learning that that's not what it feels like that those are the places that you're supposed to stop and listen not get loud and react that's a that's a huge Mm -hmm. it's a huge piece of wisdom
3: Mm.
0: all right well i sure appreciate having you with us rebecca we'll have to do it again when it's not so crazy and everybody's not running around
1: yeah yeah (laughs) That was fun. Thanks
2: for
0: joining us. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, th- thanks again. And and uh, we'll see you all next week.
2: Yep. Good night.
0: Bye.
1: Good night.